Hello, may I welcome you to episode 70 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my returning guest began within the industry some 18 years ago, working in the family business before joining his current company, where he has spent the last 14 years. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story regarding a Friday night in Cologne. My guest this episode is Dan Braddock, branch manager of GB Liners. Enjoy. Good morning, Dan. Welcome back to Moving Matters. How are you this morning? Morning, Colin. Yeah, thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me back. I only looked the other day and it was podcast episode 10 and 11 last time wasn't it wow and this one will be episode 70 that's a long time ago well congratulations to you it's, it's clearly successful so yeah thank you very much well can you tell everyone about yourself again and the length of time within the industry yep so my name's dan braddock i currently work for gb liners i've been in the industry now for 18 years 14 of those years with gb liners I heard Mike Andrews' podcast and he said he was happily married. So I'm going to continue with that theme that I'm also happily married. <laughs> and we have two beautiful young boys, Mason and Harry. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. So how did you get started in the industry? So a bit like probably most people, my dad was in the industry. So I kind of come in that way. I did a little bit whilst I was at school. and. It's probably not something to be proud of, maybe, but I enjoyed whilst I was at school at the age of 15, 16, having the odd day off to go and um, help, should we say, because I think back then people still called in sick as they do now. And a couple of times I found myself friends calling me saying, why aren't you at school? And I was in the passenger seat of a Mercedes 814 going to Scotland to deliver a job because someone had called in sick. So that's how... I started and yeah, we've gone on from there really. And did you enjoy the traveling at that young age? Yeah, I did. And I think that's what probably gave me the bug to stay around because, you know, at that age, we went to places like Islay off Scotland. And it was at that age, you thought it was the best thing you could be doing sort of thing. You know, whilst my friends were sat at school doing the right thing, I was probably doing the wrong thing and looking out the window <laughs> and boarding a ferry to Islay. So yeah, so I did enjoy it. And that's probably what gave me the bug, to be fair. And then worked for the family business for many years, carrying out the moves before joining GB Liners. So GB Liners, can you tell everybody about GB Liners and the services they offer? Yeah, so GB Liners, is, as many people will know, we have 11 branches. We've got around 100 vehicles. And Colin, if I could just plug this. I'm currently trying to sell three of them with not a great deal of success. I don't want to let Rob down. So if anyone needs to buy a truck, let know. <laughs> because we've got a hundred, but we need to get rid of three at the moment. So yeah. Let Only me three. Only three. But that might grow. I don't know. So um, <laughs> we currently have over 250 
people that work with us and we have self stores. We do document storage, containerized storage, and then obviously the domestic European and deep sea. And we've also got a really good corporate department as well. Yeah. And without missing it out, as you know, Colin, we're also celebrating a hundred years this year. Yes. Which there was a celebration at the bar conference, wasn't there? There was, yeah, there was. And I, I'll point out it's a hundred years from the family business starting, and yeah. but not GB Liners. I think GB Liners yeah. is actually 77 years, but still such an, a, an amazing achievement that everyone is really proud of in the business. And Rob looks so great for over a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment, but yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask the big question. What's it like working for the man himself? Oh, why? Mr. Removal. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not bad. It's, let's start with that. That's a, a good place to start. Rob's really good to work for. The company's a great company to work for. You have your tough days, as, as everyone does. But what we're given, or what Rob gives us, sorry, is the tools to do the job right. We have, as a lot of people know, Rob likes numbers, and that takes some getting used to, because at the time you think, God, this is so much to digest and take in. And But now, I don't think a lot of people, if I can speak for everyone else, could have it any other way, because the numbers and the everything that we run, the reports that we run, it gives us a real good idea of how things are. So without that, I think we'd probably not have the direction we do and know where the problems are or where they're potentially coming from. So yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's enjoyable. Let's go with enjoyable. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and he does love his numbers because having been in the BAR masterclass, of which he does present one of those, yeah, he's all about the analytics on his system. Yeah. We know what the estimators are converting that. We know what the storage looks like, as I'm sure lots of other people do. But when our accounts come out, I always remember being at one of the original masterclasses when it was run by Rob and not the BAR. And Anna, who was Anna Yates then at the time, who was a, a director of GB Liners, Anna was delivering a talk on accounts and finance and everything else that goes with it. And some of the GB Liners accounts were dished out for us to use as material. Yeah. And someone said, well, what's all this? And we were like, well, that's our accounts for the month. <laughs> and it, they said, well, what's this? And you're like, well, that's the subsistence, and that's this, and that's this. And they said, it's a bit in-depth, isn't it? And you're like, well, surely that's all stuff you need to know, isn't it? You need to know that regardless of what business you're running. Yeah, and, and I suppose that highlights the whole knowing your cost, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't know what you've spent on fuel and what you've allowed for tires and everything else in a month, then maybe the end figure is not as accurate as you thought. But yeah, it, going back to your original question, it's it's a pleasure to work for Rob for, for GB Liners. So what challenges have you had to overcome then, Dan? Oh, I think, Colin, and I, I checked my wife before I, I made some notes on this. Because <laughs> it's quite a tough one. So the biggest challenge... That was a personal challenge for both me and Sophie, and, and it was directly linked to work for myself as well, was in 2013, Sophie was diagnosed with leukemia. And at the time, we were expecting our first child, and Sophie kept coming in and out of hospital. 
and they honestly thought it was just like a a really bad sort of spell of morning sickness and this went on and on and Sophie would come out of hospital for a couple of days you know max and then her levels would drop and she'd be back in and they decided to do a, a bone marrow to do a test yeah and I remember at the time Rob had given me this opportunity to kind of move from the vans to the the estimate and the sales side of the business and I lived in Cheltenham and the role was in Loughborough. So I would go up to Loughborough, stay there for a couple of days and then come back. And I remember I was driving back and Sophie was due to come home. I was driving back and I was between where the M42 joins the M5 and my phone rang and it was the hospital. And they said, oh, you need to come in. And I said, oh, no, it's fine. Sophie's sister's coming to pick her up. That's all arranged, blah, blah, blah. And they said, um, no, 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 you need, you need to come in. So I said, okay. So I head over to Gloucester Hospital and Colin, I walked onto the ward and you know, when you just, it was that moment where everything seemed like it was slow motion. Yeah. I see a nurse ushering these people out of this room and the lady said, oh, we need the room. And you kind of think, I hope that's not for me or yeah. for us. And um, it was, yeah, they take us into this room and they tell us that Sophie's got, got leukemia. And they said, basically, you need to take her to Cheltenham tonight. Sophie will be there for a minimum of four weeks and won't be able to leave the room. Oh, wow. It's that bad. We need to get on with it. So I remember we took Sophie home. Her parents met us there. And then I, we both went together to, to Cheltenham that night. And I think we arrived on the ward. I remember it now. It was like 9.30 at night. And yeah, Sophie stayed in there for the next four weeks and didn't leave that room, really, because of obviously the... You know, she was having chemotherapy yep. and everything else. And GB Liners, Andy, Andy Brown, who's one of our directors now, and, and I'm sure with the help of Rob as well, I rang Andy and explained what happened and, and kind of where we would go from here. Because I was also very conscious that we were quite fresh into me trying to see if I could sell moves and progress. So um, we come up with a plan and I'll always be grateful for Andy's help and Rob and GB Linus as a company. So basically, I would go and do the surveys in the morning. We'd get everything banked up into the morning. I'd go and see customers in the morning. I'd drive back to Cheltenham and I'd spend all afternoon in Sophie's room putting on the quotes and working from there because she couldn't have many visitors purely because of everything that was going on. Yeah. And that went on for like four weeks. And I'll always be grateful that they helped with that because I, I, hopefully it meant a lot to Sophie that. <laughs> I could bore her in the afternoon and tell her how many transit robes Mrs. Jones <laughs> I hope she's forgiven you for that. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. And, and I think it gave us both a bit of normality, if, yeah. if that's such a thing at that sort of time. And to come out the end of it, Sophie was obviously, we were expecting our first at the time, and that had to stop so that Sophie could go through treatment. But she did amazing, yeah. And, and, and since she's absolutely fine now. So, yeah. So that was probably the, the biggest challenge that we've we've had that was a personal but definitely linked to work as well really super how's you doing now yeah fine yeah absolutely fine and and one of our biggest you know clearly the concern at the time is making sure that Sophie got the treatment she needed and it yeah. started straight away but there was always this concern that they said you know you may not be able to to have children once you've had the treatment blah 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 and we're very lucky to to also have, as I said at the start, two two strapping boys who are both very different in in personality. So yeah, 
she's doing well and everything touch wood is it's okay yeah so yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant so if you could change anything from your moving past what would it be i'd probably do everything right <laughs> no. oh behave dan i can't see you doing anything wrong um no i've definitely got things wrong well doing things wrong isn't that bad is it we no. learn from our mistakes so it's no, a good it's, learning curve it's not i think i would ask more questions i would also question a lot more things and if i'm honest colin not be so worried about the unknown if that makes sense Totally. I'm definitely one of those where you think, oh, should I do this? And I think we discussed a little bit of that before we, we started this this morning, that, yeah, just not being afraid of the unknown and just not being afraid to, to give something a, a go or, or ask to give something a go or whatever it may be. So I think that's the, the main ones I would, I would change, really, is those ones. Yeah, asking more questions, questioning more, but not to be awkward. and um, yeah, just not being afraid. Or of even it, but... challenging things. Sometimes it's good to challenge things yeah. and new ideas. Yeah. You know, sometimes you come into a company and why are you doing it this way? Oh, because that's the way we've been doing it for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Doesn't yeah. mean that you have to do it that way today. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, yeah, I suppose for me, that's what I would say. Yeah. So, what is your high point of being within the industry then, Dan? Or is that still to come? I mean, you are 10 to 21. <laughs> I wish. Um, I feel I've had quite a few high points without sounding too cheesy. I think a high point for me was the development that I've had, you know, and how I've been able to develop within the industry and GB liners, because I honestly didn't think I would get to where we are now. I remember when I first met Sophie, we were at school. And then when we left school, and I went back to Sophie's house and I met her parents. And um, it was that conversation of, so, so what are you going to do? And, you know, I proudly come out with, huh, I'm going to do removals. And uh, <laughs> I, I kind of remember the look on Sophie's mum's face as if to say, Sophie, what have you done? <laughs> you couldn't find someone that was an, an accountant or, or someone who was going to go on to uni or do something else. And... I suppose a high for me is is now looking at where we are really and I'm, I'm proud of what we've achieved but going back to the industry becoming part of the young movers and all the work that we put in there to get that back up off the ground which is an amazing group of people absolutely amazing group it is and I'm hoping that it continues and it, and it, it will it will continue to do what it's doing so I was very proud to be part of that for what I think was six years and, and be chairman and then another high was really when I'd become a DED. And I still hold on to it, Colin. And, uh, and I hope that someone takes this one from me, is that I was the youngest DED to be elected. So I'm hoping that some of the young movers out there are listening to this and, and can take that one from me, because I'd be proud to see someone do that. And now I'm on my second term as DED. So I think it's my fourth year now. Or, yeah, fourth year. So a DED is a directly elected director of the British Association of Removers, yes? Yeah. And there are how many? Three? There's three, yeah. And the role basically is 
it's handy to have you guys speaking to removers because sometimes removers don't want to relay their thoughts back to the association, but they can relay them back to you and you can then relay them back to the association on their behalf. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Because some of these removers are quite shy. Some are, some aren't. <laughs> There's quite a few that aren't, but some are a little bit shy. I, I think the ones that aren't don't require the DEDs, but yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> just trying to reach out to people, really. And, and, and it's not always easy, Colin. It's, it's not easy. You try and extract sometimes stuff from people and say, should I mention that? Do you want that raised? And it's a case of more, I think sometimes people get a lot out of just, just talking to you about it. You know, yeah. maybe they don't want it raised, but it's more the uh, whether they think then they've put it in my ear or in another DED's ear and hopefully that will then fester and, and come up, but maybe not via the route that they intended it to sort of thing. And what does being a DED involve? Good question, Colin. So I think there's two parts to this, really. I think the first one would be the purpose of the role of a DED. And the main points for me on that would be to provide a flow of information both to and from the board of directors, and then obviously onto the wider membership in the association. I also think it's to provide a, a proper representation for those smaller member companies who may otherwise not enjoy that representation without that role. And I also think it's a route to the wider membership of this association to have an input on the aims of the association as well. So that's how I see the purpose of that role. And then I suppose the next bit for me is, is really how the role of the DED is fulfilled. So I think a couple of points that I would take, there's probably more, but the first one would be to actively participate in all the board meetings. Yeah. Following on from that would be obviously clearly to participate in all of, or as many of the area meetings as the DEDs can. Yeah. I think one thing that we'll work on over the coming years, and especially this year, is how we allocate the area meetings between the DEDs to make sure that as many of the meetings are attended and that's done. I think it's to raise, or I say I think, I know it's to raise issues with the board of directors from the wider membership or individual concerns to the board. And then a nice one is to attend the annual conference. That's quite a nice one. That's the best one, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We, we love attending the conference. It's great. It's so nice to, to see. We're very lucky that most of the time I'm allowed to attend with Sophie. So that helps. Sophie really enjoys it as well. Yeah. Listening to all those stories from other people. And then the, another one is really to actively participate in, in the national group council meetings. Again, to ensure that the views of the membership are, are properly represented at those meetings as well. So that's how I see it. Yeah. But there are other bits to this as well. So, yeah. And obviously, some of that, Colin, involves a, a bit of time out of the office, whether it's going to Watford or, or heading off early to these area meetings. And, and I couldn't do that unless the team that I work with supported me. And that's the team that I work with as well. I, I work closely currently with our Cheltenham and our Bristol office. Yeah. And I just want to say a big thank you to to those people as well. I won't start dropping names because it wouldn't be fair because I would no doubt forget some names. But everyone who I work with, I can't thank them enough, whether it's the guys that are doing the moves or going to Europe or whatever it may be, or, or the people in the office that I work with. I'm very lucky that the teams I've worked with have always been so supportive as well and really helped. So yeah, just a big thank you to everyone as well. 
Excellent. So what one thing would you change within the moving industry? Oh. You can have more than one if you want, Dan. Yeah, I've listened to, to nearly all of the podcasts that you've done now, Colin. And Thank you. And some people have come up with the same things. Others have come up with new ideas, and I'm sure they're all very valid. So I think it's hard for me to pick out something that the 69 people before me have, have said. There's the pride of price and pride of what we do, and it's all valid. I would like to see, though, and I think if anything needs to change, we'll no doubt change it. But when I thought about this question with my, I suppose, my young movers hat on, I've heard some podcasts where this has been mentioned briefly, and I've read some RNS articles where it's been mentioned. But I think it would be good to have some sort of mentorship program whether that's a traditional one-to-one or distance mentoring or group mentoring or whether it's ran by the BAR or not. But I see a lot of people say that that's what they feel should, should happen or would be good. And I, and I completely agree. I think it'd be amazing. So I, I think I'd like to see someone pick that one up and maybe work out how, how we put that in place. And if that can be with the BAR and the young movers, maybe then great. And some sort of program put together i think that would be really good because there are some great mentors in this industry i mean you work for one for starters but there are other great mentors in this industry yeah and that's why that's why i think it's slightly odd that we don't have a some sort of program in place and whilst as you say i work for one of them when you're in the business day to day it's probably not very easy to to reach out and say when you know that person is also equally if not more busy than you are should we have some time to talk about how you might let me have some of that information (laughs) yeah yeah so i think it needs to be done hopefully something the bar might be able to do with the young movers and i'm sure there's more than enough people that we can we can ask for help on and like you say try and um, go back to extracting some of that information because i think someone else mentioned it on one of your previous podcasts colin that whilst there's two parts to this, isn't there? There's the running of the day-to-day business and the operation and, and everything that goes with it. But then there's the stuff behind that you probably don't get to deal with because that's normally dealt with by a director or, yeah. or a finance director or someone else. And I, I think it's probably crucial that people get a bit more of that side of the knowledge as well sort of thing. What about bringing mentors in that are not to do with the BAR as such and are not been in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years. What about some of the young guns that are out there that are running low loaders and have done things really, really well, but very differently? Yeah, all good ideas, isn't it? You know, it's, I think we've got, uh, we've got jam fans, haven't we, that are, yeah. both have done an amazing job Absolutely. building what they've built. And only their article in the RNS gave you an insight to what they've done. And yeah. no doubt, probably got a better handle on maybe what we're going to need going forward the most sort of thing. So, yeah, anything, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, there's no sort of age or years of experience to this. It's just if we think or the BAR or whoever thinks these people are the right people, then, then let's do a bit of that. Mm, I'd be all for that. That sounds absolutely great. Come on, Mr. Stud, run with it. So what advice would you give yourself just starting out within the industry again? Listen to 
listen to the advice and the criticism because I think you need both. Never stop learning. I made a note that I put never stop learning because I think you're always learning, aren't you? You never know it all. Something always comes up and you think, oh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, that's one for the book for next time. Yeah. And then I made a, another point that I think getting the balance right, Colin, getting the balance right, I think it's important. And I think it will be more important as we go forward for businesses to maybe understand that people will want the balance to be right. I'm not saying that's a, a personal thing for me, but I've seen it where people don't get the balance right and you can get negative outcomes to that. And I think you can achieve just as much by having the balance right as feeling like you've got to do this all of the time, if that makes sense. So I think getting the balance right is is important. And I think for lots of companies going forward, that will probably start to come to the top of the pile that we see it now, don't we, with flexible working and, and other things in that sort of area. It's it's coming to the top of the pile a little bit more sort of thing. But my main one, when, when I thought of, of this, was to to listen to all of the advice and the criticism. The balance is interesting, especially with the flexible working time yeah. directives that yeah. we listened to recently at a BAR conference. <laughs> I mean, the things that are coming in just astound me, absolutely astound me, but we won't go into that. So where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? Where's Dan Braddock going to be in five years' time? Um... I think my wife was hoping Rob would open up a location somewhere a lot warmer than Cheltenham. Dubai? Possibly. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think we've got any interest with, with going there. So, <laughs> Shame. <laughs> I felt this was a tough question because, like we said before, you know, I'm an employee and this was a, a quite a tricky one. So when you asked me back in 2020 the same question, Collins, so we're not quite at the end of the first five years. I said that I'd like to be continuing to plod on with GB Liners when we got to the end of the five years and still involved with the BAR. So I suppose unless something goes horribly wrong in the next year and a half, <laughs> or I annoy Rob, then maybe we could just, and I'm still involved with the BAR and will be at the end of the first five years, we can tick those ones off. So that was a success. <laughs> and then Going forward, I'm very happy with what I'm doing at the moment. I've had a lot of time put into me. I've been given lots of opportunities that I'm very grateful for. However, my wife tells me I'm getting older. <laughs> I think she's worked that out, Colin, that I turn around now and again and I look at her and she's kind of just staring at me and I'm like, you okay? I said, yeah, quite a few grades now haven't you so I think <laughs> you know I don't I don't know what she's trying to tell me there so I feel that I should probably get my head up a bit and answer that question for myself if that makes sense because I think I've probably been someone who and I'm sure we all do it I've kept my head down and I've just carried on and at no point have I really asked that question to myself what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? I think most people will know in the business and in the industry that I'd like to be, um, I won't do anything else. So this is it. But I do need to answer that for myself, really, Colin. So I don't really have the answer for you. 
just that by you asking me that has made me realize that I need to get my head up and look forward rather than looking at my toes. Are you a future BAR president, Dan? Um, Can I answer that one for you then? Go on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was in episode 10 and 11, wasn't it, as well? I remember that. <laughs> and I said then that as I was put forward by, I think, the other six people on the, the same podcast, I would love to be a BAR president. That would be amazing. Obviously, I'm very conscious, though, that you have to be at a certain point to do it in your own business. Like the DED role, it takes some time and being president takes a lot more time of that. So it's got to be at the right time and and something that everyone wants. Yeah, tough. Come in with those tough ones today, aren't you, Colin? So what about the industry then, Dan? Where do you see that in the next five years? Are we all going to be driving electric trucks for 15 miles and then having to stop for three hours and charge them up again? Well, Mike Andrews called it the milk float brigade. <laughs> I've not heard that. That's brilliant. I've just joined the milk float brigade and I, I've, I've now gone electric and feel that I'm doing my bit and my children might get to see a few more penguins when they're older than before. <laughs> But it has its challenges. I'm not going to lie, it has its challenges. Going to the BAR conference in Brighton had challenges when you have an electric car with not a huge range. (laughs) I don't personally, and this is my personal view, I don't think it will be electric for the trucks. I don't know whether we're looking more of a hydrogen-based thing for the trucks, but I think what is clear is it is going to need to change, isn't it? It's, you know, change is coming. We just don't know in what way that we go with it. I think along with the trucks, we've got the packaging, haven't we? BAR services are clearly quite busy on that at the moment, trying to look at ways to offer the product that we may need to have. So, yeah, I you know, I think it will all change. I think we will have different challenges with that. And we there some of them are already here, aren't they? You know, we can't go many places now without having a, a fleet that's been upgraded in the last year or so without paying it what are quite big sums of money to go to these places. So I think it will change. Yeah, we can't just keep moving people in the countryside. No, no, not enough chimney pots, is there? None whatsoever. What about getting young people into this industry, Dan? What's your views on that? How do we go about getting young people in? We've got an ageing workforce. People are getting to retirement age. There's not enough new blood coming through. What are your thoughts Mm. on that? How do we get new blood into it? I don't know. I don't know if is the issue that there's not enough coming through or is there an issue that we can't retain what's coming through? Because I'm not so sure it's an issue of not enough coming through. I wonder whether, and this is just my personal view, I wonder whether it's, are we finding it hard to retain them? And if we are, then why can't we? Because we offer quite a lot as an industry, don't we? I think someone wrote recently, though, in, a, in an R&S article that there wasn't many rewards. It was hard work and there, <laughs> there wasn't many rewards. So <laughs> I don't know, because I think we do offer a lot. And obviously, it's hard to know why it doesn't stick. And I think a lot of those things are probably are factors that we can't really control the time that people yeah. finish to a certain extent and, and and everything that goes around that and what we ask people to do is sometimes quite challenging and 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think the finishing time is the hardest one, isn't it? Because you can't guarantee it's not a nine to five job. You can't guarantee when the guys are going to be back. And then if they're back late due to a key waiver or something like that, then they can't do their social activities. They could miss out on that. They're missing out on family time. Yeah. And, and do you know what? It goes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago. What I think people find is, and this is probably a, a shout out, isn't it, to the wives and the partners, because as much as everyone who works in the industry and the businesses do an amazing job, the partners and the wives also do yeah. a pretty amazing job, don't they? Because this is not easy to have that phone call at five o'clock to say, we are still hours away from finishing. Yeah, That's tough, not just for the person making that call, but the one receiving it. So I think that's something that we should acknowledge as, as an industry, that partners, wives, whatever, they do amazing. And I think that maybe is something that as we move forward, people don't tolerate as much. Yeah. The, the tolerance drops and it's not so acceptable for that to happen and those calls to be made. So, but it's all stuff as well in the nice possible way as an industry. At the minute, we, we can't do a lot about We this cannot do a lot about that until something happens with when keys are released. And I won't spend our time this morning discussing that. But that is what really is a big blocker, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know, really. <laughs> but, but you've already said, you know, we, we've got the young movers now, haven't we? Absolutely. And I, and I, I'd love to know what that has done for businesses in terms of retention, because it must work. Because you always see the same people, new people as well. But years on, those people are still the people that we saw at one of the the first ever young movers events. You still see them now. You see them at Shoreditch this year. So people are staying, but I do wonder if the issue is how we retain them rather than getting them through the door. I think we could probably get them through the door. I think it's how you, you then retain them is maybe the bigger issue. That's just my personal view there. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off then, Dan? Um, I'm ruled by my children. Good. Yeah. So our weekends are taken up by birthday parties, children's activities, tennis. As I said, I've got two sons, both very different. One that has tennis club and the other one goes to his mixed martial arts. So you can get an idea that they're opposite oh, ends wow. of scale. And we're just busy as a family, really, Colin. When, when, when I'm not here, we are just busy as, a, as doing what families do. If we're not at clubs and we're not at parties... We spend time together and that is honestly how yeah. I switch off is just spending time with Sophie and the boys. I think it's a bit of a, a joke between my colleagues in the industry that we like to go away when we get the opportunity. So if we get the chance to go on holiday and we're lucky enough, then we go and, and we really enjoy that time with each other sort of thing. I think family time is so precious because before you know it, your boys will be 17 and 18 and they'll be off to university. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, oh my God, it was only yesterday that they arrived. <laughs> and, and we already do that. We look back now, only the other night, Sophie was playing some videos of the boys when they were three. And I, I can't remember how, how old Harry was. He must have been one or something like that. Wow. And you look at them now at seven or Mason soon to be eight and Harry just turned six. And, you know, you think, where's that time gone? And it does scare you. It does scare you. Well, it scares me because I think, am I going to do that in, like you say, when they get to 17, that's going to fly by. And I'm, and I suppose that's what I mean by 
the comment earlier on that I need to get my head up and and have a look forward rather than month by month, year by year sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't do a lot, really. It's quite quite sad, isn't it, when you think of it outside of the industry. But I just enjoy our time as a family. And it, and, and well, ferrying the children around from one club to another and a party and this, that and the other, this, that, that takes up an awful lot of your time. <laughs> Yeah, if you think operating in in the week moves for you know people <laughs> Europe's hard. Imagine some of these parties, you know, how they overlap. It's a real logistical nightmare, sort of thing. Yeah, nightmare. Brilliant. And finally, I like to end my podcast with a funny, moving story. And you have one of my favourite ones from last time. It's still my favourite. I just <laughs> laugh so much at that statue. It's just absolutely brilliant. So anybody listening to this who hasn't listened to Dan's first funny moving story, please go back to the earlier episodes and take a listen. So Dan, do you have one or more to tell? I've probably got one more that I can think of. So many years ago when I was on the vans for for GB Liners, we had a trip to Germany. And people that know me, Colin, for no other reason, I don't really drink. I think my men at the depots will probably tell you that I drink at the Christmas party and that's about it. For no other reason, really, there's nothing behind that. But we went on a trip to Germany. I remember it was the summer and we ended up finishing off our first round of deliveries and drop-offs in Cologne on a Friday night. Yeah. And the summer driving ban was in. We couldn't go anywhere Saturday and Sunday. We were not behind schedule, but our delivery was late on the Friday. So we couldn't go far after delivering before we had to park up. And um, I found, being the driver, a spot that I thought would be okay. It was like a big parking area by the side of a park, like green park area. And um, I thought, oh, this would be good. We'll park here. So we, we park there and we go in to the centre of Cologne on one of the trams. And... We probably have, well, we did have, we had too much to drink. I don't know how. We got back on the tram and got back to the van. In all honesty, I don't remember that that trip. I do remember that I didn't have any shoes when we got back there. <laughs> I don't promote this, by the way. I've got lots of men that I, I work with that go to Europe. This is not a, please do this. This is what you shouldn't do. And we woke up in the morning, Colin, in our truck. And anyone who stayed in a truck will know in the summer, they get pretty hot. There's not a lot of airflow. They get pretty hot. And I remember lying there with my head thumping, what felt like the truck spinning. <laughs> and this, this warmth, thinking, what's that noise? I opened the front curtains. Well, I didn't open them all the way. I peered out. And we were in the middle of a market. <laughs> We are parked up with a five-door truck in the middle of the market. We've got the fruit and veg store tied off to the front of the van. <laughs> We've got a flower store tied off to the back doors. We're going nowhere. Not that we could anyway. <laughs> and you know, I remember just lying there, and I was with a chap called Gary at the time, and just saying, Gary, and he said, yeah. I said, there's a market outside. <laughs> And I don't think he kind of got what I was saying. He's like, oh, right, yeah. He said, of course, you know, I'm feeling quite rough. I said, yeah, so am I. But I'm more worried now about what's going to happen today because we are parked in the middle of a market. 
And I'll never forget that, thinking, are we going to be in trouble or not? And we got out and kind of said hi to the locals and everything seemed okay. But yeah, I'll never forget that, just hearing the <laughs> up. And I mean, the market was in full flow, Colin. They'd set up, people had arrived, and we didn't hear any of this. <laughs> so yeah, like I said before, that's definitely not a, a mm. you know, let's do this going forward because we have lots of crews that go all over Europe. It's definitely not. <laughs> I, I, I never did it again, put it that way. <laughs> oh, Dan, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Dan, thank you very much for your time this morning to record another episode of Moving Matters with me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Colin. Thank you very much. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 70 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice. And please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Dan Braddock of GB Liners for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Dan. If you would like to know more about GB Liners and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving. <laughs>